0: Welcome to today's episode of The Square. We're in the Corgan LA office. I'm here with Tom Krueger. Thank you so much for joining Tom. Pleasure to be here. So you are a senior associate and project manager in the critical facility sector. And we're gonna talk a little bit about blockchain and energy consumption and some really interesting challenges going on. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about how you became an architect.
1: Well, I was always interested in architecture. I was always interested in art and design. I went to Berkeley undergrad and took one of every single cl- course at that. That's at a good. The, that's
0: a good strategy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the and the one that I was like far and away the the best at was uh, was an art class that I took. And again, I'd already kind of had some interest in architecture, so transitioned over to the School of Architecture. Focused entirely every single class after that was architecture, and I just loved it. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. And. Loving every minute of it. Now, did you grow up in California? I actually did. I grew up in Los Angeles.
0: So, was there, you know, were there elements of architecture around you that kind of stand out as you were growing up that you were like, wow, that's really impressive or left an impression on you?
1: Yeah, there's a an Eric Owen Moss house, like, just down the street from me, and I interned for my mom's best friend's husband was an architect, interned for him, Uh, so I was kind of surrounded by it, and I would be sketching designs of buildings growing up, so it's always kind of... Uh, in my DNA. Uh, I think also growing up on the beach, too, playing <laughs> sure, in the sand. Yeah. Um, I think I, I outside of just working in data centers, I worked in aviation, did a positive LEX, and that reminded me a lot of playing in the sand when yeah. I was a kid and all the different topographies and whatnot. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, you also
0: like to travel a fair amount, right? You've yeah. been to, especially in Asia?
1: Yeah, yeah. My dad was a pilot, so when I was in High school and college, I basically traveled all of Europe, but I'd never really seen Asia. So after college, graduated, decided to spend a year out in Beijing, worked for a Chinese real estate company in the design department. Very cool. Travel all over the country and see all their projects. All of that travel
0: had to expose you a lot of different design and types
1: of architecture. Absolutely, yeah. Um, In China, they actually had a lot of both Chinese architects and foreign architects, Mm -hmm. so you really got to see the best of the best from every country uh, working for that real estate company. I would actually be assigned to just research who was out there it was and what a paid they were education, with it, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's awesome. So how did all of that lead into
0: being in the critical facilities team?
1: So after China, I moved to New York, worked for a few different companies, kind of figured out what I what kind of company I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came across Corgan, started working for them, uh, really loved it here. Uh, and I started in the data center sector. As I mentioned, I, I worked in aviation for sure. a minute, and I decided to go back to data center uh, just because I really saw the industry booming with everything going hyperscale and the projects uh, growing so fast. Yeah. And, and the architecture really being escalated. Yeah, boom is probably a little
0: bit of an understatement lately. <laughs> anyway, and I'm I'm really excited about this topic because um, you know not only we're talking about kind of two i don't know it feels like some of the largest topics around critical facilities right now with blockchain and and the um, demand that or the increase in demand that that causes with critical facilities but also the demand um, for energy consumption balanced with the idea of being sustainable which is you know really not a word that you normally would hear in a conversation about data data centers and critical facilities um, tell me a little bit about, let's start with blockchain technology. How has that had an effect on the demand
1: in data centers? Uh, blockchain technology has had a pretty large impact uh, as far as demand goes, um, mostly as far as electricity usage mm-hmm. goes. A lot of uh, countries have made it illegal to mine Bitcoin or, or because or Bitcoin's blockchain. like had a real boom especially yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it's really kind of gone asymptotic and then yeah. crashed back down again. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the demand has has uh, only gone up, you know. Yeah. E- even though the price is all over the place, the the demand is just constant.
0: Well, and I, I hadn't thought about it until I was actually reading the blog post that you wrote a while back and it uh, you you said that Bitcoin uses more electricity than the entire country's of Sweden, Malaysia, and Argentina. That's an astronomical yeah. number. Yeah, and it's pretty
1: pretty remarkable. Think of all those homes and Golly. all that electricity. And, and that is
0: that's not just, you know, general data center use, that's specifically tied to the mining of Bitcoin.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, Ethereum is more than Ireland. Golly. So that's just Bitcoin alone is Argentina.
0: <laughs> so so with that increased demand and um, you know, requirement for electricity, how Obviously, there's a you know a big cultural and practical push towards you know not using as much fossil fuel and whatnot. How are data centers kind of balancing the load with the
1: demand? Yeah. So, data centers as a whole, the clientele is often a dot-com tech company, which is very sustainable focused. Right. So just in general, um, and blockchain. There's an element of that, but they're very much driven by profit. Mm-hmm. And with some merge, merge technologies we're talking about, you can reduce uh, cost by as much as 90%. All right, so tell me about some of those
0: technologies. I'm guessing you're talking about immersion cooling.
1: Exactly, by yeah. immersive cooling. So it, immersive cooling essentially is uh, a special liquid that is dry to the touch, so you put your hand in it. Take your hand out. There's doesn't feel like there's any water on it at all. Right. It's non-toxic if you happen to ingest digest, ingest it, um, and it has a higher specific heat than air. So yeah, if you think about water as a cooling agent for sure. anything that's hot, it, it cools anything down fastest faster than than air.
0: We we actually worked with a client and uh, a couple years ago that was my first introduction to immersion technology, and it was it seemed like you grow up knowing water and electronics absolutely. Do not mix. And here, there's this technology that's essentially—it's not water, but essentially dipping them in a liquid in order to cool them at this huge rate of of savings. Is there—is that something that's had a tough adoption rate among people among companies?
1: Yes. Um, data centers—the data can never fail. If you yeah. think about the traditional use, uh, financial institutions use them to run algorithms, trade stocks. Uh, social media companies use them to you know, store priceless family photos sure. or um, you know pictures of your friends. Uh, corporations, enterprise use them for very important documents. so right. it's the internet internet can't ever fail. Right. So anytime that you explore some new technology, you don't want to go away from the gold standard of this works. It's been tried and tested through and through. whole industry uses it. Um, Even if there is something that is 90% more efficient, you don't want to necessarily be jumping right into it until it really has been vetted, um, you know, not just through tests, but also through practice. Right. It's, It's interesting
0: to think of tech companies, which usually you would think of as being you know, relatively comfortable risk. And this side of the business, they are very risk adverse. I, it's funny. Um, I was talking with one of the the CEOs of the immersion cooling companies um, that Corgan's worked with. And he said, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when there was the creation of the jet engine, you were trying to get everybody that's had propeller engines for so long, comfortable with this idea of yeah. jet engines. It's, it's a, you know, it's, way more efficient, you can go way faster and all this kind of stuff, but everybody's kind of waiting for everyone else to be the first people (laughs) to kind of pioneer it and make sure that it's stable and works. Yeah, that's a great analogy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Are there
0: geographical considerations? Because I know um, in that same blog post you were talking about, you know, China, more than half of the world's Bitcoin is mined in China. Yeah. So... Are there geographical considerations in terms of how to offset that energy
1: consumption? So I think the, the biggest ge- geographical kind of consideration, number one is, I think if you could go to a country like China and prove that you're coming in using 90% less el- electricity, you'd have a, a better case for advocating for, for sure blockchain mining. Um, but the, the biggest argument, I think, geographically is that just the amount of real estate it takes up, mm. it's, it's also taking up 10%. Less space using these uh, this immersive cooling. Got it. So the real estate cost is less, and you know it's easier to integrate into a city. It's a little bit less these hyperscale data center campuses. They're oftentimes you know 50 to 100 acres. Yeah. Um. Sometimes more than that. So you're not eating it up as much of a chunk. It's. It also seemed like there was.
0: It was. There was more flexibility in how the I don't want to use the term data center, but how the server blades and racks were being constructed in terms of like uh, one of the companies that we worked with, they were putting, they were literally creating um, uh, mo- um, data c- mobile data centers in the back of a truck using yeah. immersion cooling, or you could deploy it in a in a semi container anywhere in the world, and it's just this idea that there's there's a whole lot more flexibility
1: with being able to drop a data center where you need it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, just immersive cooling in general allows for uh, what's called edge computing, mm-hmm. where the, there's this drive in the industry with 5G technology to move the data center closer to the user, so that means closer within the city center. And with them taking up less of a footprint, you can, it, it enables you to do that, where real estate is much more expensive in the middle of the city.
0: You know as you mentioned before while a lot of tech companies have this drive to be more sustainable and whatnot um so much of this still comes down to a bottom line what what's in it for the client and the 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 data center industry i mean yes an energy reduction is great for the planet but
1: what what interest do they have to drive it down so as Blockchain is mined. The way that it's usually built is that with each token that you mine, it becomes increasingly more difficult to mine another token, and uses okay. increasingly more electricity to mine that additional token. So, if there can be a ninety percent reduction in mm-hmm. that electricity use, the that, that's that's number one cost is the cooling and the computing of of these. Uh, uh, of these computers. So if you can reduce that by 90%, then you're increasing your profit essentially by 90%. And oftentimes there's a really tight margin between the electricity cost and the profit that you're making. And sometimes it doesn't pencil out. Particularly when the market
0: crashes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so what are the limitations of that technology
1: then? Uh, Limitations are that uh, it's new technology, not as tried and true, uh, which is more of a limitation for the typical enterprise client who's really concerned about gold standard of reliability. Uh, And the other one is the cost of getting this liquid and the specialized equipment needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I always compare it to when photovoltaic cells first came out. Mm. They were extremely expensive were cell phones you know right. the, when I was in the 80s my dad having a car phone costing yep. like hundreds of yep. dollars I mean I guess they still they, they still I, cost hundreds yeah, of dollars but, but the, it was <laughs> I'm it, with you. you were uh, you were you were doing well if you had a car phone yeah yeah like now everyone has one um, so I think as it becomes more commonplace then it the economies of scale will work and it's in, in the favor uh, of the immersive cooling and the costs will come down got it. Are
0: there any other solutions besides, uh, you know, immersion cooling that are kind of on the on the horizon there that may be able to help with the energy consumption?
1: Uh, there are other takes of immersive cooling. Okay. So there's a few where they actually will pump the uh, liquid through the circuit boards. Okay. And they have this uh, special, uh, like, uh, I want to say wires or... Uh, conduits with liquid in it that, that allow for the, the capillary action oh, okay. prohibits yep. any water from ever coming out and touching the, the board. So that's one kind of um, intermediate where you can still use traditional racks and whatnot. And there's also in-rack cooling where you can use refrigerant and put the actual cooling unit on the rack. It t- takes a lot less space and it's a lot more efficient. Um, and that's where the the, the cooling... Typically, you cool a whole room that computers are in. Right. And this, as soon as the the hot air, the the computer blows out hot air that is immediately cooled down as soon as it leaves the computer.
0: So you're not having to cool as much space essentially. Right. Or as much volume. Um, How does it change how you design data centers?
1: Well, number one, it takes up 90% less space. So data centers can be much smaller. I mean, quite
0: literally. You know, let's say a hundred thousand square foot data center could be combined down into just a little over ten exactly 000. ten
1: thousand. Wow. Yeah, so it all of a sudden becomes just all about the you know admin support that needs to go with that. Which there is admin support sure. needed for maintenance of these machines and for programming them and um for tweaking everything that's involved.
0: It's probably a better question to ask how it doesn't change your design because <laughs> I mean, you're at that point, are you still having to? to, uh, I mean, it changes how you think about air handling and Absolutely, everything,
1: Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah, I was just about to go to that. The air handling, uh, right now it's all about how you get the cool air onto the machines. Right. Now that's no longer a necessity, and also everything that kind of comes along with that as far as the air handling units. So, um, both the air handling units and the air cooling would go go away, essentially. The power is still needed, so you would likely you need backup generators or backup sure. batteries. Um, most likely generators.
0: So is there, I mean, I know this is kind of tough to predict this. Is there something coming after blockchain that you feel like is going to be an even bigger energy suck?
1: Mm. Say, uh, I think just in general, blo- uh, cloud computing has become mm. more and more ingrained in our culture. And I don't see that going away. And yeah. I, I just see that increasing um, exponentially.
0: I got to imagine COVID like oh blew yeah blew that out of the water yeah. too. Yeah,
1: we cannot be cannot build them fast enough yeah. data centers right now.
0: How quickly do you see this technology being adopted?
1: Ah, uh, that's that's the million dollar question, yeah. isn't it? Um, I think it all comes down to on the market and when the market could turn around, I think you know, with electric cars you get some, you know, a, a Tesla that comes along and really drives that forward. Sure. Um, with photovoltaic cells, you really, you know, haven't had that, that catalyst. So uh, maybe there's one enterprise client that really just says, Hey, we're going all in on immersive cooling. Yeah. Uh, And you know, I think right now though, I, it is, I actually had a, uh, we had a, former uh, client who went over to the blockchain side and he says everyone is working in immersive cooling right now, mostly the smaller guys. But so I could also see it starting from a grassroots and just reaching a critical mass of, uh, of, you know, becoming so commonplace there that it becomes more mainstream. Okay. So bringing this back
0: to an average human scale, what, what does this mean for just the average person? Like how does this impact their lives?
1: So I could see it lowering cost for the average person because these use 90% electric, less electricity, right. 90% less cost. Well, I don't know if it'd work out just to that, but less costs. Yeah. Um, additionally, there could be increased reliability. So uh, in London, when they had the, the heat wave this summer, yep. uh, a lot of data centers went down because of the uh, energy demands and these oh, sure. data centers weren't built to uh, for design temperatures that London is experiencing right now, and they, a lot of them were failing. So. Yeah using these, uh, using immersive cooling, all of a sudden the air temperature no longer becomes a concern and it's all electricity usage. And as long as you can maintain electricity usage, then, uh, you have the, uh, redundancy that you need. That's a great point. I mean,
0: does this open up opportunities for data centers where typically the air temperature would have been
1: prohibitive? Yeah. uh, I, I was very surprised to find out that yeah. so many of them had failed in London. There was uh, some power outages that a lot of the big companies had to explain to their clients yeah. um, from not having continuous use of the clouds, cloud services. So, We've talked a lot about kind of
0: some, um, I would say, up-and-coming technologies, so, somewhat here but somewhat still kind of out there. Are there any other uh, technologies that are coming that really excite you?
1: Yeah. Um, to be honest, I, I think this is the biggest ga- game changer in data center design. Mm-hmm. I mean, the implications of using ninety uh, percent less footprint and energy yeah. are, are huge. That's it's like you you said, the jet engine yeah. of uh, aviation. So um, I think that the implications it has in architecture could be huge as well. I think that um, there could be a lot more focus on the actual architecture of a building if it's going to be much more condensed. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, these computers are not cheap, half the cost of these, sure. of these buildings are often in the equipment itself. Uh, so the equipment is still be just as expensive. And if you're going to be housing this expensive equipment, you're going to want it to be housed in a, in a nice, right. A nice enclosure. Secure, safe, yeah. And, um, as we found with uh, other data centers, uh, image is really important. Uh, same with, you know, a bank. You really want to show that you're on the on the cutting edge as far as being high tech and yeah. uh, design trends, and showing that you're resilient and strong, and uh, you know that you can withstand uh, security threats. So um, we try to convey that now in in architecture on a much bigger scale, mm-hmm. and I think that it would be an interesting challenge to do that on a much more condensed scale. Yeah. Um, do you see it? Do you see it opening doors for
0: you designing, if we'll call them data centers, data centers in places you never would have designed? To the point you were talking about earlier with edge computing, yeah. if you're able to design at a 90% reduction of, of you know both energy and space, then all of a sudden you're able to put data centers in places you never would have thought of before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, a, a strong need for having the data centers in the middle of the city with um You know, autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. You need to have those the computation power close Mm -hmm. to the vehicle, uh, so that there's decreased latency. So, uh, I see there being all sorts of technological or architectural explorations that that you can take. Uh, I could. I've always interested in um, those displays with uh, that, that are. Used to show art as media displays yeah, for sure. Um, integrating those if it has to, if it's windowless. Uh, oftentimes there are windows that are needed though for the yeah. for the maintenance personnel. So uh, either way, I think there's a lot of opportunity to integrate these more and more, and, and we're seeing it we're seeing it already. But I think we'll see it a lot more with uh, immersive calling. Um,
0: well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a fascinating conversation. I can't wait to follow up with you in a year and find out where we are. And thank you so much for watching today. If you want to know more, uh, make sure to check out the blog post. We have a link in the description that Tom wrote and make sure to check us out next time on the square.